Chapter Seventeen of Elsie's Motherhood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Elena May. Chapter Seventeen of Elsie's Motherhood. Abate the edge of traitors, gracious Lord, that would reduce these bloody lands again and make poor England weep in streams of blood. Shakespeare. The sun had just risen above the treetops, as Solon led Beppo, ready saddled and bridled for his master's use, from the stables to the front of the mansion. A moment later, Mr. Traveller came out, gave some orders to the servant, and was about to mount, when his attention was attracted by the approach of a man on horseback, who came cantering briskly up the avenue. "'Good morning,' he said, as the stranger drew near. "'Solon, you may hitch Beppo and go to your work.' "'Good morning, Mr. Traveller, sir,' returned the horseman, lifting his hat and bowing respectfully, as Solon obeyed the order in regard to Beppo, and, with a backward glance of curiosity, disappeared round the corner of the building. "'You bring news, Martin?' said Mr. Traveller, stepping nearer to the stranger and looking earnestly into his face. "'Yes, sir, and very bad, I'm sorry to say, unless—' and he bent low over his saddle-bow and spoke in an undertone unless you can defend yourself against a band of thirty-five or forty ruffians. "'Fasten your horse to that post yonder, and come with me to my private room,' said Traveller, in calm tones. Martin, alias Snell, immediately complied with the request, and as soon as he found himself closeted with Mr. Traveller, proceeded to give him a full account of his last night's adventure. "'I assure you, sir,' he concluded, I look upon it as a piece of rare good fortune that I came upon that lad yesterday, and that he mistook me for one of the clan. Otherwise, you'd have had no warning. It was a kind providence, Martin, returned Mr. Traveller, with grave earnestness. If God be for us, who can be against us? Nobody, sir, and that's the most Christian way of looking at the thing, no doubt. But, if I may ask, what will you do? Fight or fly? How do you know I shall do either? Mr. Traveller asked, with a slight twinkle in his eye. "'Because you're not the man to tamely submit to such an outrage.' "'No. As my wife says, I believe in the duty and privilege of self-defence, and for her sake and my children's, even more than my own, I shall attempt it. I am extremely obliged to you, Martin.' "'Not at all, sir. It was all in the way of business, and in the interests of humanity, law, and order.' "'No, no, sir. Thank you. I'm not to be paid for doing my duty.' he added, hastily putting back a check, which his host had filled out and now handed to him. "'I think you may take it without scruple,' said Mr. Traveller. "'It is not a bribe, but simply a slight expression of my appreciation of an invaluable service you have already rendered me.' "'Still, I'd rather not, thank you, sir,' returned the detective, rising to go. "'Good morning. I hope I shall hear tomorrow that the raiders have got the worst of it.' Left alone, Mr. Traveller sat for a moment in deep thought, then, hearing Mr. Lilburn's voice in the hall, stepped out and exchanged with him the usual morning salutations. "'So you are not off yet?' remarked the guest. "'No, but I am about to ride over to the Oaks. Will you give me the pleasure of your company?' "'With all my heart.' Elsie descended the stairs. "'Wife,' said Mr. Traveller, turning to her, "'your cousin and I are going to ride over to the Oaks immediately.' "'Will you go with us?' "'Yes, thank you,' she answered rightly, as she stepped to the floor. 
then catching sight of her husband's face and seeing something unusual there what is it edward she asked gliding swiftly to his side and laying her hand upon his arm while the soft eyes met his with a loving anxious look he could scarce refrain from touching the sweet lips with his own my little friend my brave true wife he said with a tender sadness in his tone i will conceal nothing from you i have just learned through a detective that the ku klux will make a raid upon ion to-night between twelve and two and my errand to the oaks is to consult with your father about the best means of defence unless your voice is for instant flight for ourselves our children and guests her cheek paled but her eye did not quail and her tones were calm and firm as she answered it is a question for you and papa to decide i am ready for whatever you think best bravo cried her cousin who had listened in surprise to mr Travilla's communication there is no coward blood in my kinswoman's vein she is worthy of her descent from the old wigs of scotland eh Travilla? worthy of anything good and great returned her husband with a proud fond glance at the sweet foot worthy of anything good and great returned her husband with a proud fond glance at the sweet face and graceful form by his side aha mm -hmm, so i think and say if they are really about to ta attack you those cowardly ruffians well sir my voice is for war i'd like to help you give them their deserts it would seem cowardly to run away and leave our wounded friend and helpless dependents at their mercy elsie exclaimed her eye kindling and her cheek flushing while she drew up her slender figure to its full height our beautiful land too given up to anarchy and ruin this dear sunny south that i love so well her voice trembled with the last words and tears gathered in her eyes yes that is it said her husband we must stay and battle for her liberties and the rights guaranteed by her laws to all her citizens horses were ordered elsie returned to her apartments to don a riding habit and in a few minutes the three were on their way to the oaks the vote there was also unanimous in favor of the policy of resistance mr dinsmore and horace jr at once offered their services and arthur conley who happened to be spending a few days at his uncle's just at that time did the same i was brought up a secessionist and my sympathies are still with the democratic party he said but these ku klux outrages i cannot tolerate especially he added looking at elsie with an affectionate smile when they are directed against the home and husband if not the person of my sweet cousin you are to me a kinsman born a clansman true art she said thanking him with one of her sweetest smiles that's right old fellow cried horace slapping his cousin on the shoulder we shall muster pretty strong papa brother edward mr lilburn you and i six able-bodied men within the fortress with plenty of the best small arms and ammunition all of us fair shots too some excellent marksmen we ought to do considerable execution among our assailants and god being on our side said mr lilburn reverently we may have strong hope of being able to beat them back yes the race is not always to the swift nor the battle to the strong remarked mr dinsmore some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the lord our god and if we do so truly fully he will take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for our help added mr Travilla. the plan of defence was next discussed but was not fully decided upon it was agreed that could be done most readily upon the spot 
and accordingly mr dinsmore and the two young men should ride over to ion shortly after breakfast to view the ground and consult again with the other two why not return with us and breakfast at ion asked elsie why not stay and breakfast with us said rose certainly said her husband take off your hat daughter and sit down to your father's table as of old ah oh, my little ones i know they are watching now for mamma and wondering at her long delay then i shall not detain but rather speed you on your way he said leading out and assisting her to mount her horse the children had thought mamma's ride a long one that morning and they wondered at papa's unusual silence and abstraction he quite forgot to romp with them but indeed there was scarcely time as he did not come in from the fields till the breakfast bell had begun to ring grace had just been said and every one was sitting silent quietly waiting to be helped the children were all at the table for cousin ronald who had been with them for a week was now considered quite one of the family mr travilla took up the carving knife and fork with the intent to use them upon a chicken that lay in a dish before him but the instant he touched it with the fork a loud squawk made everybody start and harold nearly tumbled from his chair why they forgot to kill it he cried breathlessly but its head's off said eddie gazing into the dish in wide-eyed astonishment aha mm -hmm. is that the way you american fowls behave at table asked cousin ronald gravely but with a slight twinkle in his eye pushing back his chair a little while keeping his eyes steadily fixed upon the ill-mannered bird as if fearful that its next escapade might be to fly into his face a singular breed they must be elsie and her husband began to recover from their momentary surprise and bewilderment and exchanged laughing glances while the latter turning to his guest said capitally done cousin wouldn't have disgraced signor blitz himself nor any of his guild but i had no suspicion that ventriloquism was one of your many accomplishments what part shall i help you to the leg if you please who knows but i may have use for more than two to-night a gleam of intelligence lighted up little elsie's face oh i understand it now she said with a low silvery laugh cousin is a ventriloquist what's that asked vi oh i know cried eddie cousin ronald don't you have a great deal of fun doing it well my boy perhaps more than i ought seeing it's very apt to be at other folks expense the guests mamma and elsie having been helped it was now vi's turn to claim papa's attention what shall i send you daughter he asked oh nothing papa please no no i can't eat live things she said half shuddering it is not alive my child violet looked utterly bewildered she had never known her father to say anything that was not perfectly true yet how could she disbelieve the evidence of her own senses papa could it hollow so loud when it was dead she asked deprecatingly it did not my little darling twas i said cousin ronald preventing papa's reply the chick seemed to make the noise but it was really i papa and mamma both confirmed this statement and the puzzled child consented to partake of the mysterious fowl minna standing with her basket of keys at the back of her mistress's chair tom and prilla waiting at the table had been as much startled and mystified by the chicken's sudden outcry as by herself and seized with superstitious fears almost turned pale with terror mr lilburn's assertion and the concurrent assurance of her master and mistress relieved their fright 
but they were still full of astonishment and gazed at the guest with wonder and awe of course the story was told in the kitchen and created much curiosity and excitement there the, this excitement however was soon lost in greater when the news of the unexpected attack from the ku klux circulated among them an hour or two later it could not be kept from the children but they were calmed and soothed by mamma's assurance god will take care of us my darlings and help papa and grandpa and the rest to drive the bad men away mamma said vi we little ones can't fight but if we pray a good deal to god will that help yes daughter for the bible tells us that god is the hearer and answerer of prayer elsie herself seemed entirely free from agitation and alarm full of hope and courage she inspired those about her with the same feelings the domestic machinery moved on in its quiet regular fashion the kitchen department it is true was the scene of much earnest talk but the words were spoken with bated breath and many an anxious glance from door and windows as if the speakers feared the vicinity of some lurking foe. Aunt Dicey was overseeing the making of a huge kettle of soft soap. "'Tis like this year's a long time coming," she said, giving the liquid a vigorous stir, then lifting her paddle and holding it over the kettle to see if it dripped off in the desired ropey condition. But there, this old sinner no business growling about that. Yah, yah. And dropping the paddle, she put her hands on her hips, rolled up her eyes, and fairly shook with half-suppressed laughter. "'What you laughin' at, Aunt Dicey? Pears you's mighty tickled about suffin,' remarked the cook, looking up in wonder and curiosity from the eggs she was beating. "'What's the fun, Aunt Dicey?' asked Uncle Joe, who sat in the doorway, busily engaged in cleaning a gun. "'Why, don't you see, darkies? The soap they ain't gwine to come till bout the time the clucks has come round here.' Then this child give them a very warm deception. Yah, yah, yah! A powerful hot one, observed the cook, joining in the laugh. But they won't mind it. They's covered up, you know. Thank no difference, remarked Uncle Joe. The gowns and masks, they's nothing but cotton cloth, and the soap will permeate right true and scald the rascal's skins. That's so, and take the skin off, too. Uncle Joe stopped work amused a moment, scratching his head and gazing into vacancy. Lord to goodness, that's a splendid idea, Aunt Dicey, he burst out at length, and let's have a kettle of boiling light to tote up the stairs in the house, about the time we see the cluxes coming up the road. Then Aunt Chloe and Brilla can't spits it out of the windows, a dipper full at a time. Can you get them ready for then? That I can, she replied with energy. This consecrated light don't take no time to fix. I'll have it ready, show as you live meanwhile the party from the oaks had arrived according to appointment and with mr traveller and his guest were busy with their arrangements for the coming conflict when quite unexpectedly old mr dinsmore and calhoun conley appeared upon the scene we've broken in upon a conference i think remarked the old gentleman glancing from one to another and noticing that the entrance of himself and his grandson seemed to have thrown a slight constraint over them rest assured sir that you are most welcome replied mr Travla. we were conferring together on a matter of importance but one which i am satisfied need not be concealed from you or cal i have had certain information that the ku klux stay cried calhoun springing to his feet a burning flush rising to every hair don't i beg of you cousin say another word in my presence i-i know i am liable to be misunderstood a wrong construction put upon my conduct he continued 
glancing in an agony of shame and entreaty from one astonished face to another but i beg you will judge me leniently and never never doubt my loyalty to you all and bowing courteously to the company he hastily left the room and hurrying out of the house mounted his horse and galloped swiftly down the avenue for a moment those left behind looked at each other in dumb surprise then old mr dinsmore broke the silence by a muttered exclamation has the boy gone daft i think i understand it sir said his son poor cal has been deceived and cajoled into joining that organization under a misapprehension of its deeds and aims but having learned how base cruel and insurrectionary they are has ceased to act with them or rather has never acted with them yet is bound by oath to keep their secrets and do nothing against them would be periling his life by taking part against them added mr Traveller. i think he has done the very best he could under the circumstances he then went on with his communication to the old gentleman who received it with a storm of wrath and indignation it is time indeed to put them down when it has come to this he exclaimed the idea of their daring to attack a man of your standing an old family like this of the best blood in the country i say it's downright insolence and i'll come over myself and help chastise them for their temerity then you counsel resistance sir queried his son counsel it of course i do nobody but a coward and a poltroon would think of anything else but what are your plans Traveller? to barricade the verandas with sandbags and bales of cotton leaving loopholes here and there and post ourselves behind these defences and do what execution we can upon the assailants good who's your captain your son sir very good he has had little or no experience in actual warfare but i think his maiden effort will prove a success if on seeing our preparations they depart peaceably well and good remarked Traveller. but if they insist on forcing an entrance we shall feel no scruples about firing upon them <clears throat> i should think not indeed grunted the old gentleman self-defence is the first law of nature and we are told by th our lord all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword observed his son the arrangements completed the dinsmores returned to their home for the rest of the day about dark the work of barricading was begun all the able-bodied men upon the plantation both house servants and field hands being set to work at it the materials had been brought up to the near vicinity of the house during the day the men's hearts were in the undertaking not one of them but would have risked his own life freely in defence of their loved master and mistress and many hands made light and speedy work while this was in progress old mr dinsmore and the whole family from the oaks arrived rose and her daughter preferring to be there rather than left at home without their natural protectors elsie welcomed them joyfully and at once engaged their assistance in loading for the gentlemen the little ones were already in bed and sleeping sweetly secure in the love and protecting care of their earthly and their heavenly father little elsie now ten years old was no longer required to retire quite so early but when her regular hour came she went without a murmur she was quite ready for bed and had just risen from her knees when her mother came softly in and clasped her in a tender embrace mamma dear mamma how i love you and papa too whispered the child twining her arms about her mother's neck don't let us be afraid of those wicked men mamma i'm sure god will not let them get papa because we have all prayed so much for his help all of us together in worship this morning and this evening and we children up here for jesus said if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask it shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven yes darling and he will fulfil his word 
he will not suffer anything to befall but what shall be for his glory and our good now dear daughter lie down and take that promise for a pillow to sleep upon and if waked by the sounds of conflict lift up your heart to god for your dear father and mine and all of us i will mamma i will leaving a loving kiss on the sweet young lips and another on the brow of her sleeping violet the mother glided noiselessly from the room what is it mammy she asked on finding her faithful old nurse waiting to speak to her in the outer room miss elsie honey is you willin to let us scold them cluxes wid boilin soap and lye scold them mammy she exclaimed with a slight shudder i can hardly bear the thought of treating a dog so cruelly but they's worse than dogs miss elsie dogs never come and attack folks that sleep quietly in their beds does they now no and these men would take my husband's life you may fight them with all and any weapon you may lay hands on aunt chloe returned her thanks and proceeded to give an account of the plan concocted by aunt dicey and uncle joe elsie returning to the dining-room repeated it there excellent explained her brother come art let's hang a bell in the kitchen and attach a string to it taking the other end up to the observatory the suggestion was immediately carried out it had been previously arranged that the two young men should repair to the observatory and there watch for the coming of the foe and on their first appearance probably a mile or more distant give the alarm to those below by pulling a wire attached to that from which the front door-bell was suspended thus setting it to ringing loudly now they were prepared to sound the tocsin in the kitchen also thus giving time for the removal of the boiling lye from the fire to the second story of the mansion where it was to be used according to uncle joe's plan the detective had reported the assailing party as numbering from thirty-five to forty but the ion force although much inferior in point of numbers even with the addition of eight or ten negro men belonging to the oaks and ion who were tolerably proficient in the use of firearms certainly had the advantage of position and of being on the side of right and justice the gentlemen seemed full of cheerful courage the ladies calm and hopeful yet they refused to retire though strongly urged to do so insisting that sleep would be simply impossible it was but ten o'clock when all was ready yet the young men deemed it most prudent to betake themselves at once to their outlook since there might possibly have been some change in the plans of the enemy the others gathered in one of the lower rooms to while away the tedious time of waiting as best they could conversation flagged they tried music but it had lost its charms for the time being they turned away from the piano and harp and sank into silence the house seemed strangely silent and the pattering of bruno's feet as he passed slowly down the whole length of the corridor without came to their ears with almost startling distinctness then he appeared in the doorway where he stood turning his eyes from one to another with a wistful questioning gaze then words seemed to come from his lips in tones of wonder and inquiry what are you all doing here at this time of night when honest folk should be abed just what i've been asking myself for the last hour gravely remarked the statue in a niche in the opposite wall the effect was startling even to those who understood the thing more so to the others rosie screamed and ran to her father for protection why 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 cried old mr densmore in momentary perplexity and astonishment don't be afraid miss rosie i'm a faithful friend and the woman over there couldn't hurt you if she would said bruno going up to the young girl wagging his tail and touching his cold nose to her hand she drew it away with another scream dear child said her sister it is only a trick of ventriloquism 
meant to amuse not alarm added mr lilburn rosie nestling in her father's arms drew a long breath of relief and half laughing half crying looked up saucily into mr lilburn's face and it was you sir oh how you scared me i beg your pardon my bonny lassie he said i thought to relieve somewhat the tediousness of the hour for which accept our thanks said mr dinsmore but i perceive it is not the first time that elsie and traveller have been witnesses of your skill no said elsie laughing my dear you are good at a story tell them what happened at breakfast this morning mr traveller complied with the request he was an excellent story-teller and made his narrative very interesting but in the midst of their mirth a sudden awe-struck silence fell upon them there was a sound as of rattling of stiffly starched ropes then a gruff voice from the hall exclaimed there he is the old scalawag dinmore too now take good aim bill and let's make sure work rosie was near screaming again but catching sight of mr lilburn's face laughed instead a little hysterical nervous laugh oh tis you again sir she cried please don't frighten me any more ah no i will not he said and at that moment a toy man and woman on the table began a vastly amusing conversation about their own private affairs in the kitchen and the domiciles of the house-servants there was the same waiting and watching old and young all up and wide awake gathered in groups and talked in undertones of the doings of the ku klux and of the reception they hoped to give them that night aunt dicey glorying in the prospect of doing good service in defence of her family as she proudly termed her master mistress and the children kept her kettles of soap and lye at a boiling point and two stalwart fellows close at hand to obey her orders aunt chloe and dinah were not with the others but in the nursery watching over the slumbers of the chillins uncle joe was with mr leland who was not yet able to use the wounded limb and was to be assisted to his hiding-place upon the first note of alarm in the observatory the two young men kept a vigilant eye upon every avenue of approach to the plantation there was no moon that night but the clear bright starlight made it possible to discern a moving white object at a considerable distance horace was full of excitement and almost eager for the affray arthur calm and quiet this waiting is intolerable exclaimed the former when they had been nearly an hour at their post how do you stand it art i find it tedious and there is all probability at least an hour of it yet before us but my impatience is quelled by the thought that it may be to me the last hour of life true and to me also a solemn thought art and yet might not the same be said of any day or hour of our lives from that they fell into a very serious conversation in which each learned more of the other's inner life than he had ever known before both were trusting christ and seeking to know and do his will and from that hour their hearts were knit together as the hearts of david and jonathan gradually their talk ceased till but a word or two was dropped now and then while the vigilance of their watch was redoubled for the hour of midnight had struck the silver chimes of a clock in the hall below coming distinctly to their ears and any moment might bring the raiders into view below stairs too a solemn hush had fallen upon each with the first stroke of the clock and hearts were going up in silent prayer to god horace was gazing intently in the direction of fairview but at a point somewhat beyond look hart he cried in an excited whisper do my eyes deceive me or are there really some white objects creeping slowly along yonder road i i think yes yes it is they 
returned Arthur, giving a vigorous pull to the string attached to the bell in the kitchen, while Horace did the same by the wire connected with the other. Then, springing to the stairway, they descended with all haste. Loudly the alarm pealed out in both places, bringing all to their feet and paling the cheeks of the ladies. Mr. Dinsmore's orders were given promptly, in calm, firm tones, and each repaired to his post. Aunt Dicey, assuming command in the kitchen, delivered her orders with equal promptness and decision. Yo, Ben and Jack, tote does your pot of light up the stairs quick as lightning, and set it while Aunt Chloe tells you. And yo, Venus, stand by the pot of soap with a dipper in your hand, and fire away at the fust clucks that shows his devil horns and tongue at the door. Mind now, you'll take him in the eye, and he never come round here no more trying to kill Mars Edward. Mr. Leland had fallen asleep in the early part of the evening, but woke with the ringing of the alarm bells. "'Ah, they must be in sight, Uncle Joe,' he said. "'Help me to my hiding-place and leave me there. You will be needed below.' "'Yes, Massa Leland, they's coming,' said the old man, instantly complying with his request. "'And this nigger's to demand the boiling light compartment of the Army of Defense.' A narrow couch had been spread in the little concealed apartment and in a trice Mr. Leland found himself stretched upon it. "'There, I'm quite comfortable, Uncle Joe,' he said. "'Lay my pistols here, close to my hand. Then close the panel with all care, and when you leave the room, lock the door behind you, and hide the key in the usual place.' "'Yes, saw, and please, you saw, as you's got nothing else for to do, keep asking the Lord to help the armies all right.' "'That I will,' answered Leland heartily. Uncle Joe, moving with almost useful alacrity, obeyed the orders given, and hastened to join his wife and Dinah, whom he found on the upper veranda in front of the nursery windows, standing ladle in hand, one by the kettle of lye, the other leaning over the railing, watching for the coming of the foe. The old man, arming himself also with a ladle of large capacity, took his station beside the ladder. "'Aunt Chloe,' he said, "'you'll better go back to de chillins, for fear they might wake up and be powerful scared.' "'Yes, back I better.' "'Dare old mammy do the best with the darlings,' she replied, resigning her ladle to Prilla, who joined them at that moment, and hurrying back to her charge. She found her mistress bending over the crib of the sleeping babe. "'I am so thankful they were not roused by the noise, mammy,' she said softly, glancing at the bed, where the two older lay in profound slumber. "'But don't leave them alone, even for a moment. "'Deed I won't, darling, the breast of little lambs. "'Dare old mammy fight the clutches to her last breath. "'Fo' they should hurt a hair of their heads. "'But don't you fret, Miss Elsie, honey. "'They'll not come here. "'The good Lord'll ne- not let them get into the house,' she added. "'Big tears filling her old eyes, "'while she clasped her idolized mistress in her arms, "'as if she were still the little girl "'she had so loved to caress and fondle years ago. "'Elsie returned to the embrace, "'gave a few whispered directions, "'and glided into the next room, "'there to linger a moment by the couch of her little girls, "'who were also sleeping sweetly then hastened to rejoin Mrs. Densmore and Rosie, in one of the rooms opening upon the lower front veranda. They sat at a table covered with arms and ammunition. Rose was a little pale, but calm and composed, as was Elsie also. Rosie, making a great effort to be brave, could not still the loud beating of her heart as she sat listening intently for sounds from without. Elsie, placing herself beside her younger sister, and taking her hand, pressed it tenderly, whispering with a glad smile, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth for ever. Rosie nodded a half-tearful assent. Horace looked in. They are just entering the avenue. 
Mother and sisters, be brave and help us with your prayers, he said, low and earnestly, and was gone. The ladies exchanged one swift glance, then bent forward in a listening attitude, and for the next few moments every other sense seemed lost in that of hearing. The raiders, as was their usual custom, had dismounted at the gate, and leaving their horses to the care of two of their numbers, approached the house on foot. They came on three abreast, but as they neared the dwelling, one line branched off and passed round it in the direction of the kitchen. In an instant more, the double column, headed by the leader of the troop, had reached the steps of the veranda, where it came to a sudden halt, a sort of half-smothered grunt of astonishment coming from the captain, as he hastily ran his eye along the barricade, which till that moment had been concealed from himself and his comrades by the semi-darkness and profusion of flowering vines. The darkness and silence of death seemed to reign within, yet each one of the little garrison was at his post, looking through a loophole, and covering one or another of the foe with his revolver, while his finger upon the trigger, he only waited the word of command to send the bullet to its mark. Young Horace found it hard to restrain his impatience. What a splendid opportunity his father was letting slip! Why did he hesitate to give the signal? For perhaps the first time in his life, the young man thought his father unwise. But Mr. Dinsmore knew what he was about. Blood should not be shed till the absolute necessity was placed beyond question. A moment of suspense, of apparent hesitation on the part of the raiders. Then, in stentorian tones, the leader, stepping back a little, called, Edward Jarvis! No answer. An instant of dead silence. Then the call was repeated. Elsie shuddered and hid her face, faltering out a prayer for her husband's safety. Still no reply, and the third time the man called adding with a volley of oaths and curses. "'We want you, sir. Come out at once, or it'll be the worse for you.' Then Mr. Dinsmore answered in calm, firm tones, "'Your purpose is known. Your demand is unreasonable and lawless, and will not be complied with. Withdraw your men at once, or it will be worse for you.' "'Boys!' cried the leader, turning to his men. "'Up with your axes and clubs. We've got to batter down this breastwork, and it must be done.' With a yell of fury, the hideous forms rushed forward to the attack. Fire! rang out Mr. Dinsmore's voice in clarion tones, and instantly the crack of half a dozen revolvers was heard. A light blaze ran along the line of loopholes, and at the same instant a sudden scalding shower fell upon the assailants from above. Several of them dropped upon the ground, and as many more threw away their clubs and ran screaming and swearing down the avenue. But the others rallied and came on again, yelling with redoubled fury, while simultaneously similar sounds came from the sides and rear of the dwelling. The scalding shower was descending there also. Uncle Joe and his command were busy, and bullets were flying and doing some execution, though sent with far less certain aim than from the front. Aunt Dicey, too, and her satellites were winning the laurels they coveted. As she had expected, several of the assailants came thundering at her door, loudly demanding admittance. At the same time, the attack was made in front. "'Who dar? What you want?' she called. "'We want in. Open the door instantly.' "'No, sir. This child don't do no such thing. "'This Mars Edwards kitten, and Miss Elsie's.' "'Then in an undertone, "'Now, Venus and Liz, feel your dippers quick, "'and when this nigger says fire, slam the contentions. "'That's the violent soap, mind you, into dour ugly faces. "'And Sally Ann, you creep up them stairs quick, quick as lightning, "'and hide under the bed.' 
as the old days after somebody must have told him you sleeps in the kitchen since the night that bloody hand been laid on your shoulder these orders were scarcely issued and obeyed when the door fell in with a loud crash and a hideous horned head appeared in the opening but only to receive three ladles full of the boiling soap full in its face and fall back with a terrible unearthly yell of agony and rage into the arms of its companions who quickly bore it shrieking away "'Tank the Lord, that shot toll!' ejaculated Aunt Dicey. "'Now, stand ready for the next!' The party in front were received with the same galling fire as before, and at the same moment a sound, coming apparently from the road beyond the avenue, a sound as of the steady tramp-tramp of infantry, and the heavy rumbling and rolling of artillery, smote upon their ears. There had been a report that Federal troops were on the march to suppress the outrages, and protect the helpless victims— and, seized with a panic terror, the raiders gathered up their dead and wounded and fled. End of chapter 17 of Elsie's Motherhood Recording by Elena May